You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. Welcome to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. This is Sarah. Uh, this is Deacon Basil. And today we have a new therapist joining us. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Glad to be here. That's Josh Stevens. You've been, what, you are a licensed marriage and family therapist, which, Sarah, what is a licensed marriage and family therapist? A licensed marriage and family therapist is someone <laughs> who works with couples and families. But also does <laughs> stuff with individuals, right? That's one of those weird things where you get most of your training in marriage and family therapy and then also can do individual stuff where we as licensed professional counselors, nobody really needs to know all of this. Basically specializes in marriage and family work and uh, but does do a lot of individual work as well and quite good. Right. So yeah, it's great to have you. It's been quite a few months since we've actually done this. So it's kind of nice to have someone else in. And uh, yeah, I keep being, I get emails like from on the website being like, are you guys okay? Are you guys alive? It's like, yeah. Hey, uh, you know what? It was COVID, man. Yeah, COVID. Our last podcast was on burnout. And then we like just <laughs> took a break. <laughs> <laughs> Unplanned break. I don't and I think it was actually like good for everyone. Yeah, I think so. But a burnt out break. Back. Yeah, no. Great. So, Josh, what we normally do around here as I'm sure you've listened to every episode, uh, what we normally do around here is that we uh, kind of introduce uh, someone by asking their philosophy on healing um, as it relates to mental health or just spiritual health in general. Now, I have to tell you all, I uh, dropped this bomb on him about 20 seconds ago before we uh, hit record. So you should see his face right now. It's quite funny. Um, but Josh, what is your philosophy of healing? You know, I love this question and for so many different reasons, and I could go very deep and talk a long time, but I'll try to cap it at 30 seconds. So Great. when I really think about it, to make it very to the point, I think it really comes back, comes down to the power of choice. Mm, I always think that. when it comes down to change, there's three different components to that, right? Awareness, desire, and choice. And I think we have to see the need or the reason for that. Because if not, there's no reason for it. There's no appeal, right? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the kind of key things that you're kind of getting at is, you know, choice is always the kind of key thing in all of the psychotherapies. How do you want to change your life? Right. And how do you want to choose to even go to therapy, for example? Or how do you want to choose if you're going to go into, um, you know, whatever it's going to be, if you're going to choose to go to confession this weekend or whatever else it is, you know, all of those things are kind of in there. So at its core, the key mechanism, it sounds like, is adapting choice yes and the recognition of that because we allow our own healing and through the past year growth of that right yeah we can enter that and we can expand that that's a that's a really keen insight i think because the the point about it is that your psyche wants healing it wants to move towards healing this is why i mean things like ptsd kind of respond i know it sounds really odd to say that but like ptsd is a process of trying to heal yeah and sometimes our brains just are tripped up over the how to heal. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like if you broke your leg and you like kept trying to walk on your leg, your leg is going to heal. The bone's going to heal because it wants to heal. But if you're, if you still walk on the leg while it's broken, it's going to heal wrong. Right. It's going to heal ish. Kind right. of. 
Right. I mean, at some point, if you want it to heal correctly, you'll have to like address the original wound yeah. and break. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry. While you were talking there, I think we need to address this really quick. You have graduated with your master's in counseling yeah. since the last time we, we spoke on the podcast. Yeah, guys. Uh, maybe we're going to have to heavily edit this. <laughs> but, uh, no, no it's fine. Yes, I have graduated. I now have my LPCC, and I am seeing clients here at Mount Tabor. Yep, so you, this has been a great journey. I think we started the podcast right about the time you were starting your grad school journey. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty fun uh, to, to, to see that. And it's been just, uh, yeah, so so big changes happening around here. Um, but yeah, that's spectacular. So good, yeah. good for you. Uh, the other thing that we also should mention is that we're in a new office that's a little further south. And the AC is very noisy. So it just kicked on. I don't know if you heard that. But uh, big changes around Mount Tabor um, and, uh, and the Catholic psyche. All right. Today. Since we have a licensed marriage and family therapist, a LMFT, as they say, we wanted to uh, draw in a little bit of conversations about marriage and relationships in general um, and how those are uh, kind of developed or changing or, or, or how to kind of help relationships in some way. And we now, wanted to kind of give well, a yo hook up. I need to give a disclaimer because I am the only single person in this room. So anything I say is coming from that perspective and it will mostly be you know, comments from the peanut gallery. So you got the book knowledge. Yeah. Um, and as an LPC, you've got small book knowledge, <laughs> but it's still there. Um, no, I think that's probably true. But, you know, as, as an old married man, and Josh is an old married man as well. He's a little older than I am as a married man, but that's anything there. there. <laughs> no, I'm still old. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, but the idea about it would be, um, you know, not so much just our experience, but really what does the literature say about it, the clinical literature uh, in general. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about Slow down. Yes, Am I going too fast? So, you're talking so fast, guys. I gotta, I gotta get this in. I don't the, know if the listeners can understand a word you're saying. I gotta get, I gotta get all of my thoughts into a 50 minute episode. So, okay. Chill. Okay, bro. I'm sorry. I'm excited. I'm excited to do so this. Long. It's been so long. I'm excited. We do not have a scarcity of time. We have as much time as we need. Okay, mom. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. All right. <laughs> relationships are kind of in an interesting spot for us, right? I think, right. you know, I don't know where, I don't know when this is going to go up, but, you know, in the midst of the Delta variant and all of that, and I don't, I mean, whether you're in there or lambda not, now. there's Lambda? Yeah. Um, but there's all of these different kinds of things that are starting to kind of bring more pressure back. We're kind of doing a round two in some ways, and that's whatever that is, whether you're completely on that track or completely off, the culture is changing that, you know, around this, it puts a lot of emotion in there. And that really comes out in relationships. So we wanted to do a little booster shot uh, for those of you uh, kind of in relation. <laughs> that wasn't intentional, but uh, we want to do a little booster shot for relationships, uh, kind of talking about these. So we wanted to do, I don't even know what we're calling this, what the five, five things to think about <laughs> in relationships. Tips. Five tips for relationships. Yes. Yeah. Great. Close enough. Great. So five tips for relationships. Real and quick, to go back on your perspective or lack thereof, experience or officialness. Yeah. We all have experiences of relationships all the time. Yeah, that is true. I have many, many married friends and a big family with lots of different types of examples, but also it's interesting to see like similar patterns play out oh, yeah. between like different 
different cultures, like whether it's like my family who lives in the Midwest or my family who lives in Denver, like their expectations or um, the way that they view marriage, like how similar patterns play out in one area versus another area. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think it's always great to see those because we all have a knowledge of relationships, right? Our parents, our extended relatives, and everything else that we kind of take it in, but don't really think much about it until we get to that whole time in our experience. But all that's an influence. It kind of paves the way, if you will, for what we want. And I think it's good to know because we all have a perspective here. We all have an insight, whether we know it or not. And I think it really helps us to keep that in mind because it's just kind of our, not to get too metaphorical already, we're only two minutes, I think, talk all day in metaphors if you let me. Um, but this is like the fabric, right? This is our quilt. This is what we have to offer. And I think it's so important when you come into working with couples, with this perspective, um, I just think it's helpful to uh, throw that in there. So the, the kind of, I think that's a really keen insight that, you know, how do we tie this around um, for the, that's a very noisy chair. I, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> the last one broke, which was really, I was like, maybe I need to go to the gym. Um, but anyways, um, so anyways. Yes, the, Josh, keen, keen insight. The keen insight really is that everybody is in relationships, even if they're not romantic relationships. Yes. And yes. I, I've always believed that one of the really fun things would be to do would be like pastor um, like staff or pastor, you know, like people yeah. kind of therapy yeah. kind of settings. Yeah. Um, like, what do you do? Because all relationships are similar. Yes. Obviously, they're very different when they're romantic relationships, but all relationships have a certain level to them. So all of these things can play out in other areas, in friendships, in work relationships, in all of these different kinds of ways. They might not be as um, obvious, but they, I, I think, are there, they're present. So, sure. all right, we've been talking for like, 15 minutes about what these five expectations might be. Maybe we should start with number tips. one. Tips. Dang it. What's the tips are? <laughs> number one is expectations. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> All right. Expectations. Josh, can you define expectations for us? I can. I'm not sure it will be helpful, but I'll try. Um, so expectations. What is it that you expect of me, right? What is it that you would like to occur within our relationship? What do you have in mind for me to fulfill in this manner? So what is the problem with expectations in relationships? They're not talked about. Oh. They're very unspoken. I think this is this is like a really key important, important point is because I said that three times. But anyways, the expectations here are I didn't tell my wife what I expected our relationship to look like in any significant way right. because I just assumed that that's what her expectations were. And that was just how things were going to work out. Yes. So where from do these expectations our, come from? From our experience, from our perspective, from what we know. And I think, again, to kind of talk about what you just mentioned, then to come back to the topic, um, assumptions. Assumptions and misinterpretations, I think, are two of the biggest traps for relationships, for couples. Um, so, again, to take back what we know, what is we want, because we go to what we're comfortable with, that familiarity, right? And then we, in a sense, to our own what I'm call this deceit, if you will, we expect the same thing's going to happen, even though we're blending two totally different people from two totally different cultures and backgrounds. But how can anything be different? Just because of our ignorance or just not knowing, not knowing what to expect. So it kind of all goes back to what is it I am comfortable with? What do I 
want, prefer, and how can we make this thing work? Right. And expectations are not a bad thing right. in and of themselves, but when they're not expressed and then you get angry right. because the expectation is not being fulfilled. Yes, exactly. So if I expect some, if I expect my partner home every single day at 5 p.m. Yeah. and my partner shows up at 5.30, yeah. I might get more and more upset and I might not verbalize to her why I'm upset. Yeah. I might just kind of keep, keep, Shoving it down. Shoving it down and, and yeah. shoving it down. And then it comes outside with some other way. Right. Yep. And it's common to kind of go into this, well, this is what I saw. So this is what I know. This is what I want. But until anyone knows, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to get met. And I, I think with that, to kind of go back to what you were saying a minute ago, the realistic part, right? That is so important because I think several times it can be very unrealistic expectations, especially the pressures and responsibilities and everything else with families. What is realistic? What can we actually do? Right. You would like dinner be ready by five every day, but it's probably not going to happen. Right. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the, the, the problem becomes if they're not verbalized and if the verbalization of the realistic nature of it is not there. Because what happens is that we get in this state of frustration, you know, this what what. You know, as a, as a Gottman person, I say diffuse state of physiological arousal, right? The fight or flight response. I get in these, we get in these states and then they all come out sideways as opposed to actually addressing the thing at hand. Sure. Um, and so I think it's really key to express those expectations. Um, and I'm just curious, I mean, how would someone practically do that? Um, I'm curious from you guys' perspective, like if, if we've got a couple listening to this at home and they're saying, well, I have all of these expectations, or I might not even know that I have these expectations. How do I become aware of them so that I can, I can actually implement them? Well, that's the first step, isn't it? Become it's aware the recognition. of recognition, yeah, yeah, the identification. Because I think there's things that we can kind of let go of the tolerance of that, right? Yeah, I would love for this to happen, but this is kind of more pressing me. This is what something I don't want to let go of. Um, so I think identifying and then expressing that kind of sums it all up right there. So let's hypothetically say. I'm really annoyed at 5.15. For the record, I don't know anyone that's getting home at 5 p.m., but that, I mean, good for you guys. You must not be driving in Denver traffic, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm, my, my partner is not home at 5.15, and I'm really upset. Right. I might not know why I'm upset, but I need to kind of sit there and have a little bit of time to reflect on that, to say what exactly is that is, is the thing that is making me frustrated here. Sure. And is that an underlying expectation that's not being met? I think that's one thing that we do in therapy quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly around couples counseling. Yeah. yeah. Find um, the underlying cause. The underlying cause, the expectation that might be there. Right. And then I think that that back, <clears throat> back to that kind of concept of the gentle startup. Yes. Um, because I, I, it's funny, we're using this example, I, I just came to mind, but the, the coming home, that's like what we always use the example of like a, 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 a harsh startup. We always use the example of like, I come in the door, I slam the door to the garage and I say, why did you not take the garbage out today or something, right? You know, that's that's a harsh startup, right? The way to do it maybe with this, this the, your partner being late is it's, I feel, I need, excuse me, I feel about what? I need, right? I feel upset when you're not home sure. at five. I need you to call me um, if you're going to be late. Yeah, yeah. It has a solution there, which is good. Which is the key, because one of the biggest frustrations 
that I see in couples discussions or, or just out and about is that somebody says, I'm mad. You don't say about what? Yeah. And you don't have a solution for it. So it's like, well, what do you mean I'm, to do that? I'm tired, you know, like, yeah. what do you want? Let's keep talking. Like, yeah. so the key is, is I feel, I, uh, I feel about what I need. This sure. is kind of the, the classic thing. And sometimes it feels very formulaic. I don't know if you guys ever kind of experienced that, but it's like, this feels really formulaic, but when you're really upset, yeah. Formulas can be really helpful. Having yes. a script can be very helpful. I mean, yeah. You can improvise off of the script. Yep. Right. I'm not a math guy at all, but I think there's a lot of formulas in what we do. Mm-hmm. Just being aware of the sequence of how things are working. If we want to be effective, especially in our communication, we have to have some... Let's see. I'm glad I stalled right when I was trying to say something very poetic. That was great. Some type of... Structure? Thank you. <laughs> for 200 but some some type of just flowingness so things that make sense there has to be some like start and finish right yeah i think that's something that's hard because we can recognize we're frustrated but we don't know why yep. it just all come down a volcano but if we're able to slow it down and identify what it is how it makes me feel and what it is we want to help that's key right there so being able to slow everything down which is hard and just the chaos of life but if not, we're not going to get anywhere. We have to be able to change course there. Right. Now, I want to go back to something you said. I, I love that formula. I love that approach. But something else I like, especially if you're in a couple and you haven't talked about expectations yet and the tensions are increasing, I think we do the sandwich approach. I like this. This is really good. Start with something good. What you're doing is excellent. I really appreciate that. However, this is something I would like to help us have further improvement. And then again, to end with that good thing again. You're doing this. I see you care. I really appreciate that. If we put this all together, we'll be great. Yeah, I think that can that can really kind of undercut the the sort of frustration that can build up. Yes, that, right. Because I think I think the key about it is how you not become defensive. Right. In the midst of these, now a defensive is to take a criticism and to turn it back on the other person as another criticism. Oh, so what I hear you saying is that I'm like good enough. No, you didn't hear that it's because you don't listen to me. See, that's one of the particular issues that, 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 that it is around here. No, the point being is that it takes the criticism, you turn it back as a defensive criticism, right? right. Um, and I think that's really one of the, the kind of core issues with, with expectations is that when you have these conversations, you turn it back. Right. It strikes me that this really goes hand in hand with our second quick tip. Number two. Number two, which is follow through. And... One of the biggest problems that I think we have is that, and, and, and I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen this even in your own lives, but it's like, how do I actually like change what I'm doing? A lot of times I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I'm sure it's not, but I have these great grandiose ideas of how I need to be a better person. And they last for about a morning. And then by about noon, I'm like, eh, you know, I was okay the way I was. And then by 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., I'm like, yeah, I don't care. So how, how is this idea of like, if we're verbalizing expectations or we're verbalizing these things, how do we follow through on change? What have you guys, you know, kind of thinking about that? How do you follow through on change? Hmm. Well, I've noticed for me, just like any type of change, it's helpful to have accountability. Mm-hmm. Like having someone who knows about your intention to change, who knows your plan and can keep you accountable to that plan. Right. So I have um, a friend and we've started kind of uh, dream boarding 
like for the next year. And one of the things on my dream board is like, I would really like to get back in shape again. Like, cause at the end of high school, which is like 12 years ago now, um, I could almost bench my body weight. But I was like in awesome shape. Just, just exercise is easy example. Don't give me that look. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> like, I'll go to the gym. That's easy. But you know, like no, working out. existential eggs, like that's my problem. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm not trying to be obnoxious. Well, maybe a little bit, but go ahead. Of course you are. Um, no. So like she texts me like on the days when she knows that I have a plan to do yoga. And then I text her back, like after I'm done, it's like, okay, check mark. Sure. I have this, you've texted me this thing that I know that I'm supposed to do. So it's in my face again. And I cannot respond to you until I've done this thing because a little bit of social peer pressure can be a good thing. It, it strikes me that that's exactly what, um, what happens with things like AA or SA or all of the other kinds of like groups that are set up for these things or even, even counseling. I mean, how often have I had someone come in and be like, I wasn't going to do it, but I knew I'd have to come in here and tell you I didn't do it. <laughs> so I did it, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, great. Um, coaching business, you know, coaching, life coaching, business coaching, all of these different kinds of things. How often do you guys, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but how often do you guys floss your teeth? Because you know, you have a, uh, you have a dentist appointment like next month and you're like, I want to be able to say I've at least flossed a little bit. Man, is this just me? No, I think that's a pretty human. It's okay, good. Stuff. Okay, I was about to, you guys are all looking at me like gross. This one. It is gross, but it is what I do. Um, <laughs> but no, you're, you're... To all our dentists out there, we're sorry. Yeah. You are very no, What are you talking about? They're like, uh, I don't care. I make more money. What are you talking about? They're all about it. So, all right. No, your point, but the point is, is that it's the follow through. So it's, it's accountability is a certain layer to that. Now, one of the problems that I'm thinking about here is that the problem with accountability is can you really use your your partner in a marriage who is upset with you about not coming home at five, for example? Can you use them as the accountability in that situation, or does that lead to defensiveness and and, uh, and conflict? Well, the challenge with that, it can be used against you, right? You yep. can't do this and all these other things. I think it can be under the right context, mm-hmm. neutral ground. Like the the dream boarding, as you call it, which I love that idea. I love whiteboards. They have like five in my house. Nice. So as much as I can plan or organize, I will. Can we get one in here in the office? And I floss every night, just for reference. So, <laughs> oh well, excuse me. You're welcome. Maybe yeah, I need a whiteboard yeah. to fix my flossy habits. But uh, no, your point is well taken. So to kind of, I was going to say this, but you beat me to it. To bring this back into the relationship context. Mm-hmm. What does this mean, right? To me, reliability. Are you going to do what you say you do? Yep. Yeah. And if not, then we're going to have some problems or yep. the problems happen. And we're going to experience the consequences of you not following through. Yes, exactly. I think, you know, I have a friend who. Um, but you he, have a friend. I do have a friend. My, my one friend. You heard um, the A there. The singular. A singular friend. Um, his parents have been doing a. Um, like a group, um, a group marriage, well, a marriage group that has been meeting for like 35 years. Like, wow. And they've been meeting all of these, you know, every month or every couple of months have been meeting about this. And just to talk about marriage and the importance of marriage and some priest, you know, set this up years ago for them and right when they got married and he set it up and they've been meeting ever since. I think those kinds of things can be really helpful in this setting. Wow. 
I think the other idea about it as well would be what about like a men's group that you could set up to be like, we all want to be better men. Yes. You know? And I need to be better at communication with my wife, right? right. I need to be better at, at this. And I think, you know, women's groups and mom's groups as well. Right. Um, See, what strikes me about that and about, you know, the whole thing with accountability anyway is it takes a level of vulnerability and security yes. in being vulnerable. Yes. Yep. And a desire to receive what you want to express, right? Like I'm doing this for a reason. What is it I want to gain from this interaction? And I think the ability and courage to express vulnerability is key, especially among men, not to just call us out, but I think it's a very difficult, challenging thing to be able to kind of cross that threshold, if you will, especially with other men. Yeah. I think culturally there's stuff there, although, I, I, although not always, you know, I mean, yes. I think, uh, but you're, but, but I think there is that. And I think sometimes church groups or yes. uh, prayer groups can be really helpful right. uh, if they exist <laughs> wherever you are. That could be really helpful. Or just you know, just being able to kind of converse with other people and have that kind of accountability. Right. Uh, be really it's a newer trend. But I think just generationally, think about you know our parents and grandparents and things of that nature. Vulnerability wasn't even in the picture. Yeah. That type of openness. So to see the evolution now is great. But I think, again, to kind of come back into context, because there are different skill sets here, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, again, think about going back to expectations. What is it we want from each other? And how can this help? So. Yep. And and how can we come up with a plan? Yes. You know, one of the one of the clinical interventions that we that I do um, in the Gottman model is we okay, let's come up with a plan on how we're going to do this. And yeah. I think where it really does fall apart is, but how do you follow through on it? Right. And then, so the key is is you know if we found a couple of issues in the relationship. How are we going to actively work on these issues? Right. And maybe we're not going to come up with big solutions. And maybe it's going to take us 50 years to kind of work through these. And maybe we'll never get through them. Right. That's actually a sign of relational health if there are, you know, issues that are, you know, it's just that we can talk Product about the research. Well, yeah. I mean, certain ones. I think another important part with this timetable and deadlines. Yep. And, of course, flexibility. Smart goals. Thank you. And remind me, Sarah, what is a smart goal? Something that I hate. <laughs> A smart goal is something specific, measurable, attainable. Um, a T, what is T? R, realistic. Realistic yes. is R, T, and then realistic. T is... Do you remember how to spell it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have two master's degrees, but I don't know how to spell smart. <laughs> um, what is T? Time sensitive. Time sensitive. That's it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so specific... Measurable. Could you do it again? Specific, measurable. Attainable. Attainable. Realistic. Yes. And time sensitive. There you go. I think that's it's a dismount. The dismount? Sorry. Gymnastics. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> I understand. All right. So smart goals are um, one way of kind of doing that. And I think talking about those smart goals and even yeah. talking about like, look, I'm not the person to hold you accountable for this. Right. And knowing that about yourself. Yeah. Is also yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my, Wife is not the person to hold me accountable on certain things. Right. I still need to be held accountable. So who who could be who could hold me accountable for these things? Yeah. Great. It strikes me that the next one is what we call the balance of power and responsibilities. Josh, yes. can you say a little bit about that? Yes, it's one of my favorite ones, which is called the balancing act because it it comes to so much here, right? Well, tell us about it. I know. <laughs> right now. So I think I don't know. I'll give you a little bit of introduction and I'll get into it. I think the more that a couple knows about this, 
before marriage is so important because it goes into so much and again, can really creep up on you after so many years. So the balancing act, balance of power and responsibilities, right? So what is this and why is it important? So essentially what this is, is an equal dividend division. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that as a Twitter. Uh, responsibilities between the partners to be able to take care of everything, manage all the responsibilities come with life and families, right? And this changes. This changes with so many different reasons, such as just we evolve, but when you have a kid, when, you know, there's a job change, whatever. So this can change periodically. So I think it's something good to be aware of. Uh, you know, for example, just because I did the dishes now doesn't mean I'm going to do it for the next 10 years. It's not a contract. Let's be aware of who's doing what and why, and that needs to change with each other. Now, I think it's something that we just kind of talk about in a very minuscule way when we're considering marriage. Like, yeah, yeah, we got this down. I'll do just as you do trash. We got this. Yeah. Nothing about like the other 50 things that go behind that, whether it's financials or transportation or whatever it may be. And this can quickly become a much bigger monster because again, it's that tally, right? That, Reasons to be resentful. Something would like, be careful. I have done the laundry every single day. Yes. For the like entire six months. Yes. Since we got married. Exactly. And I don't understand why you can't put your laundry away. Right. Yep. As an example. Yes. I do my own laundry. For the non-married person. Yeah, I was going to say. I was like, wow, that's, yeah. No, um, <laughs> it sounded very genuine. <laughs> I'm good at that thing. I, I recall in graduate school in my couples counseling class, um, there was a theory, and I don't remember, I can't remember if it's Milan or, um, or um, Mnuchin, but it was, the theory was, you're shaking your head like I should know this. Well, no, 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 my two least favorites. favorites. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just, but basically, it, it basically is, one of them was like, you have a running tally of all yeah. the things your partner does for you, yeah. and all the things you do for your partner. Right. And I remember reading that section in the book being like, this is the most ridiculous, unromantic, unhuman thing. Right. Yes. And then I had kids. <laughs> and I ran a tally in my head of how many diapers I changed versus how many poopy diapers my wife changed. And I was like, well, I don't understand why I'm doing this. Right. And the problem with that is there's a certain layer of truth to it. Yeah. Where you are running a tally of, of these things in your head. Yeah. The question then becomes, can you admit that that's that it's a lot more complicated and you don't see the full side of where someone else is. Yes. You know, if, if your partner comes home and is, you know, sits down on the couch and doesn't move for the entire evening, is it that they're the laziest piece of junk that's ever existed? Or is it that it maybe was a really terrible day? Right. And they just can't, they just can't move for a little bit, or maybe they're dealing with all sorts of other kinds of complicated compounding factors that might be there. And maybe they are just a lazy piece of junk, but the question well, that's is, a different issue. that's a different issue. But the question then becomes, can you at least have a little bit of flexibility to step away from the tally while that you're going to naturally be doing? Right. I think that's kind of where that balance of power and responsibilities, plus a balance of sort of open communication and mercy. Yes. <laughs> Ideally. Ideally. That yeah. always helps. Yeah. But to go back to the tally the main question that I think needs to be said to kind of sum up what you're saying is why am I doing this? What is it do I want instead? The preferred behaviors, right? Because there's a reason I'm feeling the way I am, probably just being overwhelmed with all these changes, right? And maybe isolated. Because whenever kids come into the picture, it's straight survivalism yep. for the first six months. Yep. You're just trying to get from point A to point B. First for, 18 years. Right, right. <laughs> um, and 
It's a good thing I know your kids. <laughs> right. Something I often say, and I repeat myself, but I have like about 10, I don't know what to call them famous, common quotes that I say a lot. When we don't know what to do, we do what we know. Yep. And that often perpetuates the problem. Mm. But we're just trying to get through it. And again, that divide and conquer, there's some, there's some good to that. But I think we, we do that to our own deficit. And it's hard to know how to come back. Because I think we can quickly see our spouse or significant other as an adversary. That's competition. It can be, absolutely. Or where are you? Yeah. I'm drowning here. And you're not fulfilling your role to support and help. Yeah. Which opens up a whole other yeah. box. Well, it also, so I think, opens up tip number four. Right. Well, real quick. Yeah, I'm We're already talking about <laughs> The power is in yet. The balance of power yep. is so important. Again, I think it's something that we don't give enough credit to. Sure. And whether it's, again, financials or decision-making or how often we see in-laws or whatever it may be, who holds the power here? Not to sound too modernized, but who's wearing the pants, right? Sure. And I think I can go in several different directions. We'll see if it's edited or not. But who makes the decisions and why? Because I think there can be a great sense of powerlessness yeah. and helplessness that can happen in relationships. Sure. And how do we identify that? And how much power do we want our spouse to have? There, we might want an imbalance. I don't know. Sure. I mean, how nice would it be if you didn't have to make financial decisions because your partner kind of handle all of those? Right. But then at the same time, maybe that's not the kind of relationship that you want. Exactly. So having an communication about that yes. could be really important. I think power makes it sound, and this is not what you're saying, but I think sometimes power sounds like I'm a controlling, right. abusive person. Sure. Um, and maybe you are, that certainly is a version of power, but it's more about, there. then there's major problems there, but it's more about how do you have a, a sort of understanding of decision-making yes. and, and movement forward and sort of which side you you listen to and, and sort of weigh all of the options. So yeah. It's more than just abusive. Right. right. Yeah, I think that's how we see it because that's, that's what we've heard, the mm-hmm. negative perspective. Mm-hmm. But in just the, the realistic world we live in, there is power in relationships, right? There's power in our life. Yep. And we can either use it or abuse it. And I think being able to use it to our benefit and to be able to use it in tandem with our spouse to spread the wealth and make the best decisions for our family, that's a goal right there. Yep. But how do we do that? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Tip number four. Yes. This is your favorite. My favorite. I love this song. So could you describe it? I can. It's a very long one. It is. Three words. Sums it all up right there. And again, I could talk a long time, but I won't. So this topic, this tip, if you will, is wants, needs, and fears. Should I talk about the history or just get to the topic? I think just get to the topic. We'll do a long-term, a long show on this in the next couple of months. Okay, perfect. So each of these could be their own topic, actually. I was thinking that, but you know. Part A, part one, B, two. Okay, yeah. moving on. So once these and fears, it is very self-explanatory, and there's a lot of depth Great. to it all. The all right. Time. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> Done. Moving on. So once preferences, what is it we want to occur in our relationship? These don't have to occur, but they can make things a lot easier and better, right? I would be much happier if this happened. But I also understand life is what it is. Next one, needs, deal breakers. I need this from you for this relationship to work, whether it's fidelity, uh, trust, whatever it may be. These are the pillars for a relationship. And then fears, again, exactly what it sounds like. But how often do we talk about this when we get a relationship? We don't. They're unspoken. They're kept inside. 
Because if I speak the fear out loud, maybe it'll come true. Yes. Or I'll put more pressure on them and push them away. There's such a fear burdensome in relationships. I don't want to reach out because I don't want to bother you. Exactly. Yes. You're great at presenting examples right after we say something. That's perfect. It's like you prepared or something. I love it. I'm just really good at this. Thanks. But these are such pillars in relationships that, again, we don't know about until we need to know about. So could you use an example of, like, what a want might be? Yes. Um, I want to go exercising with you or by myself once a week. I want a date night once a month. Sure. I want... Uh, let's see, some community involvement with our parish, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So those are preferences. Be great if we had it. If not, I get it. When you kind of break it down to the relationship level, let me think. Um, the date nights, I guess, the, the open forms. I just need to throw some things by you, whether it's planning, whatever it is. So I want to be able to discuss these things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one-on-one time, which again, with families is much more difficult. Yep. But it can't be. And, that, and that's where resentment can sometimes come in. Yes. All of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, those are some top examples, but the list can go on. So, what's the difference between a want and a need then? The, again, I'll refer to as what I call the pillars of relationship. Yep. Because if this is broken or not there, relationship can dissolve, it can fall apart. Okay. Can you define that a little bit more? Because I still don't know what that means. Yes. So I'll call it a cornerstone, and rather than just keep calling things, I'll actually explain Nathan? it now. Yes, Thanks. yes. That would be helpful. Um, things that we base our relationships on or hope for for something to work, right? Um, let's see if I'm making sense or not yet. Sometimes the judge will want to make a point. Um, Sometimes you start a sentence and you don't know where it's going to end. Yes. Like Michael Scott said. Exactly. Just open my mouth and see what happens. <laughs> exactly. But I well, eventually that's reassuring. That. I <laughs> keep people in suspense and anticipation. <laughs> just sit in silence for two minutes and see what happens. Build their distress hole. Um, <laughs> it helps building the development of a relationship because if we go into it without these components, we're not going to build any depth. Okay, so a need is a deal breaker yes. that we all are kind of in agreement on yes you know within the relationship so right. for example an affair i right. need complete fidelity from you right that's a key a deal breaker would be an affair yes for example yes or could be right although i will say there is phenomenal work that could be done clinically in order out you know after affairs and things like that so it's not necessarily but Going to I mean, in, certain, in certain situations that could be the case yes a need could be um that i need you I need you to be home every evening. It could be. Because of my past, because of my needs, sure. whatever it might be. I need you sure. there at, for that kind of reassurance. Yes. Right. As opposed to, I want you home, which would be, you know, if I if things need to be a little different, right? If that transition takes place, then, then, it, then, it, then there could be some room for, for um, so you not to be home or negotiation, right? Right. Now, one of the problems is that I think you either jump into the I the, I want everything, yeah, yeah. And so I'm a little bit more kind of jello-y, right? You know, in my in my convictions there, or I need everything. Sure. That this is a non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of that kind of ability to differentiate could be really important. Yes. So the question I often ask when I work with couples when we're talking about this topic is, 
is the relationship going to be jeopardized if this is not delivered? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what separates the two from me. I think two other big ones are honesty and reliability. So you can't really build a relationship if we don't have these two components, right? Yeah, fair. So it's funny because you said honesty and reliability. I would have put it a little bit different, and I'm sure they're the same, they're the same sides of well, different sides of the same coin, but it's trust and commitment. Yes. Are you going can I believe that you're going to say what you're what you can I believe that you're going to do what you say yes. and that your words are accurate and true? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. These are all components. These yeah. are all things I've heard as needs, and I think they're very valid. Right? Absolutely. The key about this is obviously the fears. Yes. So one fear could be, I'm afraid that you're going to go have an affair. Yeah. Or I don't know why I'm on that topic today, but you know, that could be <laughs> the one kind of fear that could come there. Or I'm afraid that you're, I'm afraid you're going to die. Sure. Um, and that- Because I have attachment issues. Well, but even- even non-attachment issues, I think, can cause that kind of fear there as well. So it's like, I'm afraid that you're going to die, so I don't know how I'm going to respond to that. Right. I think more common ones are abandonment, yep. rejection, yep. Uh, some um, some way that trust is broken, things of that nature. Or again, that you're not going to be here when I need you to be here. Yep. And again, these are very common sense, right? But when do we talk about these? We don't. They're just swallowed. Mm -hmm. And we hope that they don't ever happen. But I think if we identify them, then we can find ways to prevent them and talk together to meet that end goal. Absolutely. Okay. The next, the, I mean, kind of 4.5, if we could say there is of uh, the this reassurance, is, yeah. the need is the reassurance of care and commitment in general, right? right. That, that, that someone actually does care for me. Yes. And I think that that, that what we would say in, in, the model of therapy that I use in couples is the positive perspective or the positive sentiment override, as opposed to the negative sentiment override. You know, sure. I, I want the assurance that my partner is not going to view me as a piece of junk all day, every day. Right. I want to say that they're going to see me in a positive light first, so that I'm not always walking on eggshells, worried about the ramifications of what might be happening. Right. And there's also a concern about how I am viewed by my spouse. Yeah. How do you view me? And why and how and is there anything we need to change in that perspective? Because believe it or not, reassurance can go a long ways. Yep. We can go a long time without hearing these things. And then again, a lot of doubts, a lot of assumptions, a lot of misinterpretations come into play because behaviors can speak louder than words, right? And if I'm already thinking this and you do this, we're in trouble here. Yep. So I think even when there's conflict, and again, I could go on on these topics and give you 10 more tips, but these I think are so important. Because when these don't happen, it can definitely lead you to pitfalls. Yep. And even if we're in conflict, something I offer is a script to be able to de-escalate. This topic is important. You are important. I can't continue this conversation right now because I'm too escalated. And then again, to kind of go back to our topics, to bring things together, which I never do. Give me 10 minutes and we can finish this. A day, whatever, doesn't matter. But that right there is a commitment. It's an expression of care. You are important. This is important. I do not want to walk away from this. Because if that does happen, things just pile up over and over and over. Yep. Absolutely. The last tip, sliding into home base here. The last tip then is boundaries. Yes. Boundaries. I, I think, you know, we talk a lot about boundaries in relation to, you know, non-family members or family members in general. But, like, can someone kind of define the importance of boundaries in relation to marriage? 
Why are you putting on me? You spoke of it earlier. You were so excited. We're all excited. You you were saying just read, just tell them to read Cloud and Townsend's book. Speak yeah, just read Cloud and Townsend Boundaries of Marriage. You'll be fine. There you go. Um, okay, no, boundaries is my favorite word in individual counseling. Um, and boundaries in general are important because it's knowing what is your stuff yes. and what is someone else's stuff. And in relationships, you have this middle ground where we have our stuff and knowing who is to go back to like balance of power and responsibility who is responsible for this stuff when it's in the middle right um is really important yes and if you don't talk about like those boundaries and like the things that are definitely mine or definitely yours or shared together then that's where a lot of messiness can come in yes absolutely the reason i point to you because i have a cap of words a day about a thousand words and i was running out I was running dry, so I just needed uh, need some help there. Yes, yes. Because sure. I still have a full day ahead of me, so I have to pace myself. <laughs> but yes, it's so important because especially within our church, right, there's this place that two becomes one. But right. what we don't think about is, I used to call this, but I will, our past, our baggage, right? The, the, the baggage that might kind of come up. Yes. And the responsibilities with that. Right. And whose responsibility is that? And especially how it influences current problems in this day because our perception is everything. Yep. And I think it's really hard to be able to separate from that. And something I love in that book that you mentioned is in the handouts. I think it's a great section, but it says very clearly, what is mine? What is yours? And why? Why do I perceive this as mine? And there's a reason for every behavior, right? We don't always know that. But I think we have to think about that. Why am I doing what am I doing? And what am I hoping to obtain by this behavior? Yep. Because often we just do the same thing because it served a purpose for years maybe model to us or against some hidden benefit. So we feel like we have to keep doing it, not seeing how it can hurt us. Yep. Until we're in a relationship where that behavior or that thought process is no longer serving us right. and it is causing hurt or harm. Yes, caretaking, codependency, so many other challenges that can come a part of this. So I think we should probably wrap it up. We're kind of, Sarah didn't let me talk fast enough. So, you know, we're at time now. Don't look at me like that. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm glad you. that you are now, you know, able to be comprehended by our audience, who we love. I guess. Yeah. Sure. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So the entire concept that I think is, you know, expectations, follow through, the balancing act, wants, means, fears, and boundaries. Yes. Uh, these are, you know, kind of there. Now, there's a lot of other material out here, so you can see this um, on, on other podcasts that we've done or, or uh, the we other future podcasts the future on podcasts. these topics. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I will move forward. But uh, guys, it's so good to be back in the saddle here. This yeah. is great. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, yeah, this. wonderful. So yeah, we'll be in touch here soon, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Ciao for now.